guys and welcome to this week's episode of the Black Girl Finance Podcast. I'm your host Salida. We are the community of unapologetic, ambitious, money-minded women and today I'm super excited. We are going to be talking about angel investing. We have an amazing guest with us today. His name is Andy Ayim. He has an MBE for his work that he does about making angel investing accessible people from kind of underrepresented backgrounds so people who are black asian minority ethnic uh people of color uh women uh people from lgbtq community he is all about teaching us how to angel invest so and it's one of those things it's one of those topics that like usually if you see a company floating on the stock exchange, there will be, you know, a group of, uh, you know, venture capitalists uh, investing. And also those businesses may have got, when they were startups, uh, funding from angel investors as well. So that's something that Andy does. I'm going to get him to introduce himself to you now but I'm super excited to have him on the show and we are doing a giveaway so make sure you listen to the end. Andy runs an organisation called Angel Investing School and again it's where he teaches us how to angel invest. So if it's something that you're interested in, investing in startups, make sure you listen right to the end. We're going to be giving you more details about the giveaway which is a place at his school to learn about angel investing i'm all about empowering the community and this is one way we can do this we can give you access to the knowledge from the experts to get you actually doing things basically not just talking about it not just learning about it but providing a community for you to go away and use the information that's shared and and we're going to do that by sponsoring a place at the Angel Investing School for you. But I've told you already, I'm going to get Andy on to talk about his career because he's got a fascinating career. Like I said, he has an MBE. Everything he he does just seems to turn to gold, you know. So definitely a, a great role model for anybody out there who... Uh, is thinking about a career in tech and also angel investing but I will let him introduce himself and tell you his story so I'm going to stop waffling now enjoy the episode guys so wonderful to have you with us today on the podcast um, if you are able to introduce yourself to our listeners it's a pleasure to be here I love the community that you're building and I'll just share a little bit about me um, so I don't bore your listeners in case they know who I am already. <laughs> um, so my name is Andy Ayim. Um, I am a father, I'm a husband and I love business building and I love both sides of investing into new businesses that are just getting started but I also love being on the inside and building high performing teams. So I often work with a lot of startups and bigger companies on how to really build high performing product teams that actually work on building the actual software, whether it's an app or a website. So I've been doing that for the best part of 10 years in different shapes and forms. And that work has seen me work across Africa, um, Asia, as well as the United States. So I'm very grateful for the life that I've been afforded so far. Amazing. Thank you so, so much for that introduction. And, um, I've known Andy for probably just over a year. Yeah. Um, how did I meet you? I'm trying to remember. Was it Angel, the, um, not Angel Investing School? Was it- I, I was probably following you on Instagram and commenting on all of your posts for Black Girl Finance. <laughs> and from that, you probably noticed, wait a second, he's got long hair, but he's not actually female. And probably that's how our relationship started. Yeah, probably, probably that. <laughs> but yeah, um, I wanted to get Andy on to the show to talk about angel investing. Uh, also, um, yeah, angel investing, um, venture capital as well. Just everything that Andy does, because I mean, one of the things that he has created, and something that I've I've, I've gone on a journey to learn about through uh, the platform that Andy's created is the Angel Investing School, mm. and. You know, I'm going to get you to explain exactly what angel invested, angel investing is, and, Absolutely. and how you can get involved with it. Because I know that the real focus for you is to uh, to teach people from um, under 
represented backgrounds so people uh you know so women people of color people from lgbtq community yeah. about this thing called angel investing which in my mind is traditionally or, or just kind of funding uh you know in, in startup companies is traditionally kind of far removed from what people from backgrounds such as my own typically do and then yeah. also we know that there is a um a gap in funding for people from um I guess, uh, diverse backgrounds. So I think I read a stat that said it was 0.02% of... Shocking. Businesses, yeah, get get access to, um, like, VC funding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I want to talk about all of that, but I also want to talk about your kind of career and your journey because I feel like it's really, really inspirational. Thank you. Thank you. So can you start by telling me kind of where you grew up, what your household was like when it came to money? Did you grow up in an kind of entrepreneurial household um, or or not? Uh, yeah, what was it like growing up? What got you into business, uh, tech? Um, oh, all great questions. <laughs> all great questions. Um, so I think to start off, like, one thing about myself that I've learned over the years is that, like, I... I feel like it's so important that I, I be my most authentic self when at work and navigating through life. And in doing so, I can enable and create spaces where others can be their most authentic self too. Because in doing so, I think people produce their best work and their life's work. And growing up, um, one of my heroes and role models was, was my mum and my dad, because from a young age, I recognised that they sacrificed the life that they knew in Ghana to afford a better life for these future children that they had planned, which included me here in the UK. So from a young age, I always had a strong sense of perspective, I would say, on the opportunity that I've been afforded just because I was born in the UK. You know, some would call that privilege, for example. Mm -hmm. And my dad was like a serial networker because he was like an old school minicab driver who could name everyone that had sat in his car a couple of times and tell you stories about them. Like Mr. Namemaster who had three sons who were each doctors and you know, this Nigerian lawyer that lives in Chelsea and Kensington. So I was vicariously living through these stories that my dad used to tell me about this life outside of Tottenham. And looking back now, I realized that my dad through telling me those stories, sowed a seed of curiosity in me. And it almost became like an addictive drug. I couldn't help but feed my curiosity. And a good example of that was, I, sh- I can get in trouble if I share this story. I don't often share it, but I'm going to share it today. Oh, please, we are <laughs> privileged to hear this story. We're all listening. <laughs> so in Tottenham, obviously, I grew up with, with parents and uncles and aunties that were not necessarily working in the professional realm. They weren't lawyers, they weren't doctors, they weren't management accountants or bankers. Okay, so entrepreneurship wasn't even a word I knew how to spell, let alone understood what it was. Okay, um, but I was fascinated by dial-up internet, right? I was one of those people that was on black chat, on MSN chat, on all the chats connecting with people and just trying to figure out this internet thing. And I remember like my brother and a few friends and I used to walk about 20 minutes from our house every week to a technology park. It was called Techno Park in Tottenham Hill. And we used to sneak in to this park, turn on their computers, just so that we could access the internet and play on, on SNES emulators, basically Super Nintendo games on the internet. And looking back, I thought, wait, I'm that curious and interested that I was willing to go to that stretch just to access the internet at a young age. Yeah. And I think that was, the, that was my introduction to technology. And, you know, from there, like, I started seeing these role models like, you know, um, Bill Gates, and then it was Jeff Bezos, and then it was Mark Zuckerberg. And I felt really alienated because I felt like these people didn't grow up like I did. So I couldn't really relate to them. I couldn't relate to their lifestyles or how they got into their careers. And that's where I first became curious about, actually, do people like me belong in tech? Like, can we become the founders? Can we become investors? Can we succeed in this space called tech? And I think that's where my curiosity led me to start this journey of really working as a business builder and an investor. Okay. I mean, it's so interesting. And you're absolutely right, you know, um, you know, I've read uh, kind of autobiographies about like, you know, the Jeff Bezos and the um, Bill Gates and 
what what did I read? I'm thinking of. I don't know if it was called the tipping point, and it talks about mm. um, just that that period of time where they were born and they had access to you know I guess computer systems. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you you obviously have that ac- a little bit of access in Tottenham. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hackney, very close, very close to Tottenham. Um, but yeah, you know, to to kind of give you that introduction uh, outside of I guess getting it from family and friends or immediate family and friends um who could potentially be be role models so fast forward then um because i think we've spoken previously uh outside of this podcast about did you did you first uh become interested in consulting having a career in consulting is that yeah yeah so going into university i very much followed my my father's advice around like four safe careers and i think this is probably a Ghanaian and nigerian um adage probably an african adage in general of you know you go into engineering being a doctor Mm -hmm. a lawyer or or an accountant so i took the accountancy route because um it allowed me to understand how businesses work from from the inside from a financial perspective Mm -hmm. and um the fascinating thing was like I did a, a sandwich course, which meant at the time that you take a year out to work in industry. Mm-hmm. And during that year out, my, myself and a friend of mine called Dennis Asamoah, who now lives out in L.A., we were just going to networking events every week. And we were just fascinated by just meeting people and getting connected. Like mm-hmm. we literally had card wallets where we were collecting business cards. All right. Because this was the age of where you had like black uh, Blackberry pin, BB pin. Yeah. Yeah. Right, but I didn't want to be too forward because I was young, so I'd ask for the business card rather than the BB pin. But through doing that activity, it introduced me to a network of people that were willing to help me. Uh, they were willing to allow me to be vulnerable and open with them and ask the stupid questions. What does a management consultant do? What does MA stand for? What does that job actually mean? What is private equity? What is an accountant? What is a tax accountant? So they were able to demystify and simplify and explain all of these things and all of these roles that were available in the city. And I needed that translation layer for me to move from talking in slang in Tottenham to really professionalizing and operating in the city. And that was a pivotal moment for me, being able to, to, to get introduced and plugged into that network. And one of my mentors was a guy called Francis Mainu, who had worked at Merrill Lynch, who had worked at Ernst & Young, and was willing to spend time and invest time into me and introduce me to relevant people to help me. And his introductions led to me basically walking into Ernst & Young on their management consulting scheme because he introduced me to three people that used to work there and two people that were currently working there at the time. So I was able to learn the language. I was able to learn the perspective. And and I found it almost easy to then go through the interview because I had the training. And the reason that that was so pivotal and meaningful for me looking back is that I recognize that there's thousands or hundreds of thousands of young black boys like me who have potential and transferable skills from places like Hackney and Tottenham, but don't have that mentor to help them move from one environment to the next. And and, and it's something that touches my heart even today when I see a lot of people hustling and I know that they've got the transferable skills, they're just not aware of this opportunity and they don't have someone to hold their hand and, and help them cross that bridge. Yeah, do you know, as you were kind of speaking about doing the networking and even just being able to ask having a safe space to ask those you know quote-unquote silly questions you know we all need that because we don't we don't know what we don't really know um, and we need to be exposed to things that you know is, is not the norm um, I was literally having a, a another chat with someone who's from like Walthamstow and they're t- telling me about their own finance journey and it's just fascinating that they you know did have that kind of uh, someone who was willing to um I guess guide them or open up their eyes to certain things uh, mm. and also create that safe space where you can ask um ask those kind of like I say quote-unquote silly questions and it's all about demystifying things like like um joining your angel investing school was for me it was demystifying the whole process of oh, angel so investing good to hear. yeah um because the thing is important. the thing is as well so you know, like angel investing is easy to do but it's hard to do well mm-hmm. right and I think most people don't understand that and I know I haven't described what angel investing is yet, so I don't want to disrupt the flow of the interview, but we'll get into that. Yeah, no, I'm going to come on to that. Definitely, definitely, definitely. But um, another thing that I wanted to to kind of mention about what you were just saying is the fact that, you know, you needed to kind of like network 
Was it your dad, who sounds like the ultimate networker? You know, that ability to be able to, you know, take hold an interest in other people and be able to, you know, relay it to you um, and show that interest and, and have that kind of communicate that those kind of communication skills. Was it from him? What made you know that you needed to kind of network? Because some people will just go, you know, go to uni, go to, you know, go to these opportunities and and maybe because they don't feel confident enough or they don't know how to not network. What made you realise that it was a great opportunity? To, uh, opportunity it's, a great, to work? It's, it's, it's a great question. And looking back, I think it's partially subconsciously from my dad as an example. Mm -hmm. It's partly because I felt empowered to, to really feed my curiosity. And at that time, I was curious about connecting with people to help me understand the, like what jobs are available to me, what jobs I could go into after university because I couldn't connect the two. I, I didn't want to be an accountant and I didn't understand what else was available to me because I didn't have time to do work experience in all of these interesting fields. And yeah. I think the third thing that became apparent to me was that, like, what is the worst that can happen, yeah. right? And you have to remember, like, <laughs> I've changed a lot now, but as a 16-year-old, 18-year-old Andy, I used to go to Wood Green, to Oxford Circus, and I used to feel confident talking to girls on the street. <laughs> right some would, yeah. some would call that harassing these days and I've, I've long reformed but <laughs> what i'm saying what i'm saying is that there was a certain confidence that i had okay mm -hmm. it probably was deep deep rooted into patriarchy looking back now but it meant that i felt like i could approach anyone i felt like i felt like i'm from tottenham of course i can talk to this person but that bravado that confidence is what i needed to talk to strangers and to network so again, mm -hmm. is that transferable skill, if you can package it up and bring it out in the right spaces, is really helpful and useful. And that's what I found when, when starting to network and connect with people, you know. And nowadays, like, I always tell people that, you know, I think at my core, what I'm really good at is connecting with people one-on-one -on -one and connecting people together. You know, mm -hmm. once we create those authentic spaces where we can just really be our most authentic self. And I think that was the start of that, like me recognizing that about myself, that self-awareness, I guess I was starting to to see see about myself. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Um, I wanted to ask about like mixtape madness. Okay. Can we oh yeah, <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, can you tell our listeners about it? Because, you know, I was looking at it today, looking at the YouTube, seeing, you know, the one million plus subscribers. Are you still part of Mixtape Madness? I'm not part of it today. And I have to caveat <laughs> that I left Mixtape okay. Madness five years, six years okay. ago, probably now. And my yeah. brother is still mm -hmm. running Mixtape Madness with, with his uh, co-founders. And mm -hmm. they deserve a lot of the praise for what it is today. So I don't mm -hmm. want to take the credit for that. I did okay. start the business with them. And yeah. it did introduce me to that entrepreneurship and how to get a business started. But they yeah. really deserve one of the credit for scaling it to what it is today. But I've, I've just had the pleasure of having a front row seat to seeing like a business grow to, to over a million in revenue and being a part of that journey. So, yeah, wow. it was inspirational and a fundamental part of my learning because not many people know it, but with Mixtape Madness, we didn't get any external investment from angel investors or VCs or any institutions. We self-funded it and we yeah. survived off, off really customer revenue. So it meant that we had to really focus on who is our customers and are we delivering value to them day in and day out? And it was a fundamental lesson in business that, that still holds true to today in other industries that I've worked in. Mm -hmm. And so was it was that your first foray into business, would you say? Or did you have other kind of businesses, obviously with your brother and obviously you stepped away from it? All right. But, um, was it or were you always kind of setting up businesses? This podcast is going to be a first for many stories, okay? But I actually had, and this is going to be embarrassing a little bit, but I had a business called Sufirm, which stand for, stood for self-affirmation at university. And it started off as an entrepreneurship project because that was one of the modules of my course. And what that, what that business was doing was providing um, training and speaking engagements to really teach people about the, the uh, employability skills that can be offered from entrepreneurship. So actually what transferable skills do, do people possess and how can that translate to, to how you use that in the workplace? And looking back, like we were onto something because it's totally true. And today there's even more valuable like, entre mm -hmm. like employees that have entrepreneurial skills. But at the time we had a little bit of, of, of imposter syndrome because we're teaching something that we hadn't been through ourselves. Right. Yeah. And often I think business owners have this where they feel like they're providing a good service, but they actually haven't ate their own dog food. And uh -huh. 
it is not a prerequisite necessarily, but it, it gives you more credibility. And the irony is when we shut that business down and went into industry, one of the co-founders walked in, got a job at Twitter. One of them got a job at Morgan Stanley and I got a job at Ernst & Young. So the formula and what we were teaching worked. Mm-hmm. We didn't go through because we felt like we had to get that experience under our belt. And I think that kind of uh, entrepreneurship within as an employee is, is super huge and big today. So maybe exactly. It's a bit early. Yeah, yeah, a bit too early. Yeah, timing. And, and probably we just didn't have the right maybe mentors around us or people within the services industry who could guide us perhaps and support us a little bit because we're learning everything for the first time. So without any examples ahead of you, sometimes you may doubt if there's space for you in that, in that field. And again, it goes back to role modeling and the importance of us seeing faces and people that we identify with in spaces. And that's why I love how intentional you are about even naming it Black Girl Finance. Literally for the past few weeks and, and months, the, the conversations I'm having is with women who are part of the kind of financial world. And I mean, the idea behind it is just to make them more visible. The idea behind the event and, and all of that is to make, you know, black women who work in the financial services more more visible. You know, that's that's the huge, huge aim. Um, also, so that mm. for us as kind of end user end users, um, we understand what's out there as well so yeah it's a bit it's a absolutely bit of a, yeah um yeah and it's all about demystifying like like you said uh earlier okay so okay i know that you uh do a lot of uh like consulting for businesses um so you know it's, it's a bit difficult <laughs> when speaking to you to know what to talk about because you do so many things so mm. let's talk about a bit about kind of like how you got into tech and um, yeah you know product teams and, and and so on and so forth let's talk about that and then we're going to move on to to kind of finance and money so then we'll talk yeah. about investing and vc so, so basically what selena's explaining is that my career has been a bit of a mess but i fell into places no. and got good opportunities and i am where i am so so when you're listening to this don't look for a formula because it's hard to replicate it but hopefully it's an entertaining and interesting story that inspires you yeah. <laughs> very very <laughs> interesting and you do everything well and for our, for our listeners if you don't know andy uh, has an MBE. He got that MBE oh, last year you. for his work. So you know he's doing what everything that he does. He does it very, very well. So, thank you. Yeah. Thank but you. over to you. <laughs> All right. So, so tech. how I got into tech? Okay, this is a podcast full of stories today. Okay, <laughs> so I joined uh, uh, after Ernst and Young, which was a really big, um, over a hundred thousand people organization. I felt like a really small cog in a massive wheel. Right. Mm-hmm. So I went and joined a startup consultancy. And that's a consultancy called Elixir. And they had about 25 people at this consultancy at the time. And they were from South Africa. So as a consequence of that, I moved to South Africa to work with financial services clients initially. But this company knew that I was really into tech. So they had a, one of the partners had an idea to try out a new business out in San Francisco. So he interviewed a few associates and he picked me, given my interest in tech. And me and this partner basically rented an apartment for seven months in San Francisco. And our challenge was to figure out a business model out there. Very ambiguous, very open. I was just going to say, so a business model? A a business model. Figure out how we can do business in San Francisco was the exam question. Okay. Right? So (laughs) you could call it naivety, but I jumped at the challenge. So I went to San Francisco with this partner and we started off basically networking and really connect. And again, coming back to that thing that I'm good at, connecting with people. So I connecting with a lot of the VC investors, the angel investors, the founders, the educational institutions, the science and research and development institutions, and the startup ecosystem out in San Francisco. Now, for those that don't know, San Francisco and Silicon Valley is, is known as like, like one of the, mm-hmm. the, the hubs where, where modern tech emerged. So we're talking about Google, Facebook, Salesforce, Dropbox, all of your your homepage, like on your phone, like emerged from San Francisco and Silicon Valley. 
eBay, mm-hmm. that, like you name it, a lot of them came from there, right? Not Microsoft or Amazon, but the majority of them, okay? So out there, it felt like I was getting a fast-track MBA in venture capitalism and startup because I was sitting at the table of these VC investors and learning from the conversations that we were having, the interactions from bringing in some of our clients for corporate tours out in San Francisco. We literally would fly out Barclays Africa to come and join us for a week, teach them about emerging technology like like drone flights and and machine learning. And then would connect them with relevant startups that can help solve some of the problems that they're facing within their companies. And the business took off from there. Right. So, and so you were doing so you were like that connector. Is that is yeah, that it was it's very much happening? business development and then uh, making those connections and introductions, helping them procure services from the startups that they were meeting um, and then teaching them how to work with startups because a lot of corporates have very different processes. And that business really took off and really influenced the brand at Elixir. And funny enough, last year, Elixir um, IPO. So they floated on their alternative investment market. Right. Oh so God. it shows like and it shows like uh, how fundamental a lot of the work that I was a part of was mm-hmm. in, in, in the, where they're getting to today. And of course, again, I can't take full credit. I left Elixir, but it was an <laughs> honor and it was amazing to be like part of the founding team of that business that has led to this success today. You know, I've worked at a startup. I've worked at a startup that was acquired by um, another company. And it's a really fascinating journey. And I went from a, you know, a large corporate business that had been around for like over 100 years to a a startup. And it's so interesting. Very different. Yeah, the whole culture, completely different. Um, And and, and you know what people say as well? Like when you work in a startup, it's probably the most fast track learning environment you're going to experience in your career. Absolutely. And it was so exciting because I think I'm a person that thrives on kind of change and challenges and, and you know, as things grow and develop and change, mm. um, business has been acquired and all of that kind of stuff. It, it's it's exciting. And I think I, I'm more thrive in that environment than kind of big corporates uh, personally. But mm. um, That's really but interesting. No. But I know you've taken a lot of those lessons into what you're doing today as well. Everything, everything I do today from, I'm, I'm obviously a kind of self-employed business owner. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's been just me for a long time. So, you know, the selling to the chasing mm. of invoices, mm. the, you know, creating the website to all of that, you know, because it was a tech company that I kind of yeah. left to, to, to be here to do, to do what I'm doing now. I use all of those skills because at one point or another, be, particularly being um, kind of like a startup business, one point or another i had to do all of those things <laughs> honestly like working at a fast growth startup is such good training for being an entrepreneur yourself the network as well as the lessons yeah definitely definitely 100 i mean that sounds amazing about kind of the journey of elixir and the integral part that you played in you know creating that business <laughs> can i be honest actually because the story doesn't actually stop there okay tell us because more. because Basically, when I got exposed to what the VCs were teaching me, I learned about this role in a startup called a product manager. And a a product manager is the person in a startup who works with leadership on strategy, but also rolls their sleeves up and works with the developers and designers to actually make the applications. Mm -hmm. And I loved that there was this mix of working with strategy as well as on the ground on the actual product. It was like a dream role. It was like what I was doing in Mixtape Madness before I knew it was a title. So long story short, I started interviewing for startups based in London at like 2 a.m. in my closet while my managers was asleep. Okay. (laughs) And I landed a role at a startup called World First, which was an international money transfer company. And I was like one of the first product managers hired. I actually Mm -hmm. ended up hiring my boss who became like my career coach till today and one of my closest friends, Mark Abraham. And long story short, like we helped to grow World First across the UK, Hong Kong, and China. And um, after I just left, um, they got acquired by Ant Financial for $700 million. So again, going on that journey, there was so much learning in building a team, building a culture, building processes, like building product at scale. And again, it was more chinks to my armor that I could add now, um, that I'd been an entrepreneur myself from Mixtape Madness. I kind of been an entrepreneur doing this product management role. And I kind of did this business development type role in, in, in San Francisco. So again, I was starting to really understand the different sides of building a business really well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's just literally, it's so fascinating. Um, 
yeah just hearing your story fully because this is going deeper than however um, much we spoke previously (laughs) so this is so interesting so okay so that was your first kind of foray into kind of product product sorry product management Mm. Um, okay and it's something that you love because it's something that you still do today like I said so and obviously you mentioned about getting exposure to startups and VC and being that connector is that how you then got into kind of angel investing and yeah so how I, how I so my first angel investment was in uh is about six or seven years ago and mm-hmm. it was a it was a horrible mess what a mistake <laughs> yeah. okay because um what happened was a friend of mine introduced me to a startup that was working in Africa and I just I just fell in love head over heels wild as a startup that's working in Africa I want I'm, I'm interested I want to be involved I didn't do any due diligence didn't do any reference checking didn't stress test it against people that understand those type of businesses I just went head over heels and invested what was a large amount of money for me at that stage okay um, how much it was about it was about five thousand, and I think my brother put in about a few thousand as well. So it was, it was between okay. five to ten k in total. Yeah. Um. And back then it was a lot of money. Now it's still a significant amount of money, but back then, I mean, like in proportion to my income, it was mm-hmm. it was a crazy thing to do. Yeah. Okay. So I like to tell people that again that I was just it was just in my MBA that was me paying for my education into how to invest and how not to invest. Okay, this is probably why I haven't gone and done a master's because I've spent all of the money already. Um, <laughs> so that startup basically um, did, uh, it, main- it was a maintenance startup that worked on maintaining engineering equipment for like mining companies. in, And they had a big procurement contract risk in that they were running out of cash flow quicker than their actual um, clients were paying them. And because their clients were bigger than them, they, were, they could basically bully them on terms. So they ended up running out of runway. They ran out of money. And that's why that, back, that startup like, ended. The product was good. The product worked. The management was okay. But it's that procurement risk, which I didn't fully understand at that time. But guess what? I learned a lot of lessons after that one. And it made me all the better for it. And, you know, one of the things about angel investing that's, that's quite unique is that, like, even if it is playing in your favor, you think it is, the feedback loops are so long. Because mm-hmm. you could invest today and you might not see a return for seven to 12 years. That's a long feedback loop to know whether you've made a good investment or not, right? Absolutely. So sometimes with these shorter feedback loops when things don't go right, those are where we talk about learning from failure. That's where I'm able to learn and look at what went right, what didn't go so well, what am I going to do differently like next time? And mm-hmm. that's, where the, that's where the growth comes from, you yeah. know? And that, that's where these learning loops are occurring. If you're paying attention and learning lessons, especially when things are not going your way. Absolutely. It's so valuable. Absolutely. That's just, that's key. You know, you can take it as a loss and, and be upset about it, or you can learn the lesson in it. What can you Absolutely. do differently? And just, just let's go back a step. So can you explain to our listeners, what is angel investing? Absolutely. So an angel investor, which is sometimes referred to as like a business angel, is an individual that finances, or we can say invests, in privately owned small businesses. When we talk about privately owned small businesses, we mean that the people that own the equity is just literally the founders or the founders and the initial team. Okay, so these are not businesses that we see on the FTSE 100 or publicly on the S&P 500 or NASDAQ or any of these exchanges, public exchanges. These are private companies that you might see on companies' house and you see that only a handful of people own, have ownership over this company. Okay, and what an angel investor does is they don't only invest their money, but they also invest their experience, expertise and network to add value and support the company through growth. Okay, so they receive a little bit of equity in exchange for this um, in the hope that one day they're going to share in the returns if the company experiences what we call a liquidation event. And a liquidation event is when the company gets bought or when a company gets sold on a public stock exchange like the FTSE 100. Because as soon as that event happens, what's happening is uh, someone's buying the stock that you have at a higher price than you paid for it. And that's where you're making your return. Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if I hadn't have done your angel investing course, I wouldn't have understood some of those terms that you use. <laughs> I've tried, not... I've tried to explain them, but this is the problem with finance: is that yeah, that they've made it so opaque that 
like you literally need people to help you translate exactly what it means it's why mm -hmm. we exist it's why you exist it's mm -hmm. because people need help because we don't understand what 14% APR on a £1,000 loan means every month it's mm -hmm. hard mm -hmm. it's hard absolutely it's all about demystifying and why do you think it's important for obviously you've founded um the angel investing school and you very much welcome people from diverse backgrounds or underrepresented um kind of backgrounds to yeah. you know partake in your course and, and learn about angel investing and why why is that important for you to do it's so important for me to democratize access to this knowledge network and and this opportunity because I mentioned at the start of this podcast that some of the role models I looked up to growing up was the Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerbergs. Whereas, uh, you know, I didn't identify with those entrepreneurs, but it was even worse when I looked at who was getting rich from investing in their businesses from an early stage. And again, it was the same people that looked like them. It was a lot of white middle-class men, right? that were benefiting from this because they were in the network. You know, they went to Stanford University together or they worked together at Goldman Sachs. And what is really important for people to understand is that, you know, back in the 1970s, Forbes released the first rich list, right? And they've been doing it ever since. When yeah. they first released that rich list, 70% of that list was made up of oil and gas or from uh, inherited wealth or mm -hmm. from property investing. If we look at that Forbes rich list today, it's majority made out of tech. Yeah. Tech founders, early employees, or investors in tech businesses. So I want everyone to listen to this to understand that for the next 10 years, the big wealth generator of our generation is going to be tech. Mm -hmm. because it's touching every single aspect of our lives. My daughter is four and she knows how to use a tablet, my friends. Like, yes. like <laughs> every aspect. During fun. COVID, we were using technology to, to really understand like high-risk areas. We're scanning QR codes. It's, we cannot escape technology. So it's undeniable the wealth creation that's coming on the other side of that. So we have to participate. And that's why I'm democratizing access to women, people of color and diverse populations, because we need to access and have access to this opportunity to create this wealth for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely I 100% agree I think it's so important that's why we're going to do a giveaway about your course as well um yeah absolutely because for me it is all about that being being part of the conversation being in the room uh learning the knowledge and and, and applying it so yeah we're going to be doing something and do you think on the <coughs> side of that it 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 creates opportunity for people who are diverse founders and I ask that because um uh, I was reading a report, it was about women, women um, being part of boards of companies. And yeah. uh, the report found that, you know, women will, I guess, recruit more women. And there, there are benefits to having diverse boards and diverse leaderships in businesses. It, it, it impacts the bottom line. Um, so do you think with, with more um, people... Uh, you know, from uh, you know underrepresented uh, backgrounds getting yeah. into tech, there will be the opportunity for those people to invest in diverse founders as well, because absolutely, you think it will translate into that? Absolutely. Like I did say that the, the feedback loops are long, right? So you might not see the metrics move meaning in a meaningful way every six months, but you will over a number of years. But what we're going to see, I believe, is that there's a trend in the market now where before, 10 years ago, we felt like I can't afford to invest in a startup because you need at least £25,000 to invest. So mm -hmm. if I invest in 10 startups, that's £250,000. Yeah. And I can't afford that. So price me out. That's not for me. But what's happened is, and this is the beauty of technology in our age and in, in this day, technology has democratized access to investing. So what's oh, yeah. happening now is that you can invest as, as little as £1,000 and start getting into deals and building your portfolio. So that same £25,000, £25, instead of that going to one startup, you can actually spread that across 10 to 20 to 25 startups. And that is the beauty of what we teach at the Angel Investing School. How can you start building your portfolio make it, when making small investments at a time? Right. We talk we talk about this concept of small tickets and big dreams. And mm -hmm. that's what we're empowering. 
right? Because the actual value and your, you know, your listeners will grow to appreciate this when they make their first angel investment, because I know everyone that's listening to this is all about wealth creation. Mm-hmm. The value isn't actually in writing that check of 1000 pounds. It's in going to work as an extension of that team and helping that startup to grow, whether you're introducing them to someone to, to hire, spreading a job post on social media, introducing them to a customer or partner, responding to an email and being helpful. That's the buzz we get out of it. And this generation cares about being purposeful. They care about being in service. They care about missions they align with. So that's why I believe that they're going to get a real buzz out of the opportunity to support a startup through that through that early stage of growth. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I just found it, and I know that you do this on um, your podcast, like you share celebrity investing journeys I guess or what they've invested in and one of the things that really uh I don't know if it was was it no it was was it the Coinbase IPO oh yeah yeah and, that, that yeah. was that was that um Nas or Chameleonaire yeah. yeah it was Nas and then when you start reading into all of uh obviously Nas is investing you know, like the ring doorbell at that stage I had about two because we had one at this house we had the <laughs> ring doorbell at my mum's house as well. I'm thinking, oh my goodness you know and even just recently reading about like Serena Williams investing. Yeah. Like say, um, and Excellent. I know we're not celebrities, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, it's like you said, it's all becoming democratized. So it means that even with, even when I was writing the book, actually, I know that I mentioned about um, kind of angel investing in the book. And that was because I wrote the book after I'd gone through your course. So mm. it's fresh in my mind. I wanted to include it. Um, Thank but you. like yeah and I, I think I, I quote there's a there's a line um in a maybe a piece that you wrote about how you can start investing from under like five thousand pounds at the time it may have been in the article because mm. like you said there is this um, misconception that you need you know 20 20 20k to be able to to get into it but it is completely democratized so we can be doing these these um doing the same financial things albeit on a smaller scale but you know being part of it being part of a a company that like you said is kind of liquidated in ipos um as being someone who has worked in the startup and you know had had the opportunity to kind of invest uh, you know purchase company shares and um and and go through that whole process it's really interesting to see how that all works as well so you know it's, it really is the opportunity and like I said uh I really enjoyed the angel investing school no, so thank you, you know, it's amazing what you're doing uh and, and hence why obviously you got the MBA for it as well which oh, is amazing you. I appreciate that thank you <laughs> and what do you think will be sorry were you going to say something no no I'm just I'm just humbled and honored by your lovely words <laughs> no problem what do you want to be the legacy of your work then what would you like you know in like 10 years time how many people would you like to have impacted to um like invest it's a great question it's a great question and you know I've never thought about a number right but I think it's pers- it is important that I want people to feel like they can shake off their limiting beliefs right Mm -hmm. and they can go on this personal development journey of feeling like like this is a lifelong journey where I've been able to create value in this world through my career through my investments and through all that I am Mm -hmm. and that's why even for me the angel investing school isn't really just about angel investing it's Mm -hmm. actually about really understanding this journey of wealth creation and Mm -hmm. creating more so that you can do more and build more Right. And that's what excites me. Like if I think about the network that I've built up of angel investors, the majority of the conversation isn't actually about investing money into startups. It's about the incredible things that founders are doing in the world and how mm-hmm. can we get involved in supporting them above and beyond just these investments. And, mm-hmm. and that's where I think that the conversation starts to elevate now, because, you know, like angel investment isn't what I invested in order to make my my pension. Or invest mm-hmm. in for the long I've got investments in property I've got investments in stocks and shares right and I've got a decent career but mm-hmm. angel investment is a part of the portfolio that actually allows me to access a really interesting base of a network of people in different fields and that's what I think I've benefited most from this the personal development and the networks that I've been able to build right it's a lifelong work that should hopefully transform you to be a richer person on the inside regardless of the external yeah 
That is really beautiful because, yeah, absolutely. There are some amazing founders out there creating some amazing products that are, you know, life changing for, absolutely. for people. So being even what you're building, that. what you're building is a good example. And to think that like, I can be of service to you to, to enable people like you to do your life's work and make the world a better place. That's an honor. That's a real privilege. Mm, absolutely. Absolutely. Gosh, I don't even know what, what, what more to ask. <laughs> um, so if people wanted to find out more about kind of everything that you do, how can they kind of get in touch with you? The best way to get in touch with me, um, I'm really bad on social media, but that's why you're like one of my <laughs> digital mentors because you're so good at it. But um, we have the Angel Investing School page on Instagram. Um, I'm Andy Ayim on LinkedIn and on Twitter. I'm, I'm mostly on LinkedIn than Twitter, I have to self-confess. I'm not going to lie to you and give you my email because that inbox oh, is no. horrendous. <laughs> but um, please check out the Angel Investing School on the angelinvestingschool.com. You can find out more and andyayim.com. And I'm going to post this podcast once it's out on andyayim.com forward slash podcast where I host a lot of my podcasts as well. So I'm sure this is going to be on top of the list. This has been a great conversation and I've enjoyed it a, a lot. Um, yeah. and, and one thing I just want to share with your listeners, actually, before we kind of like slowly round up, is that mm -hmm. like it's really important for people to think about their own personal motivations. Like, yeah. like what is the reason they want to do this? Is it because they want to make money? If so, it might not be the right choice. Mm -hmm. Is it because um, they want an opportunity to, uh, the, the opportunity to learn about a certain industry? right like like machine learning or health tech like is it because they want to leverage their experience is it because they want to give back is it because they're altruistic is it like you need to really understand what your motivation is before you start this um mm -hmm. i don't want to oversell the course but it's really important to understand that and the second thing that's really important to understand is that why do you love startups like like for me i could have spent this whole podcast talking about how amazing it is that you know like a company could use restrictions to spur creativity like twitter did with 140 characters mm -hmm. right or how a, a, a company and a startup provides insight into the future of how the world could be like i am genuinely fascinated by startups and how businesses fit together and that's why i'm so curious and willing to explore and continue to go on this continuous learning journey of staying open-minded and 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 building businesses regardless if i'm angel investing or working in one and I think it's really important to understand that for yourself before you go on this journey too. Okay, mm -hmm. and that's a good point. And also, um, just to add, like you know, on the kind of uh, uh, on the I don't know if scale is the right word, but on the scale of kind of investing, it is quite risky. Uh, obviously, investing in a startup business, there's <laughs> absolutely no guarantee. So let's let's uh, I should put that in there as a yeah. Ninety-five percent yeah. <laughs> of new businesses fell within the first three years yeah um so we must we must say that just so you are aware of that um absolutely yeah. but um also I wanted to say that we are doing a giveaway so as Andy has mentioned uh, or as we've spoken about the angel investing school is a place where you can learn all about angel investing what it involves um it, it's really really great like um Andy just said about you know knowing why you're doing it uh, creating your um your thesis is that the right terminology your yeah your investment thesis yeah you remember <laughs> you remember it's all coming back to me um but yeah it's a really great uh, course if you you know want to know more about angel investing and what we're going to do because the platform is not just about you know giving you all of the information we want you to you know take it away and do something with it so we are actually going to be sponsoring a place at andy andy's um angel investing schools next course so look out for details of how you can uh, kind of enter and win the chance of doing it for free we will pay for it uh, because we want to get you not just talking about all of these things that we talk about on the podcast but really you know learning the skills and, and and perhaps you know you may not use it straight away but it may be something that you you are in the position of using and doing and, and running away with it in a few years time so we, we're going to be doing that so Amazing. listen out and look out for uh, details we'll share it on on our instagram page but and i will also share details um about the angel investing school and, and andy 
in the show notes of this episode as well. But, you know, thank you so much for joining us today, Andy. Your career my, my is pleasure. fascinating. <laughs> it's my fascinating. Pleasure. And um, I'm sure just everything that you are planning and, and will. So there you have it, guys. I hope you found this episode interesting. Angel investing is an area of the financial ecosystem that we don't usually gain access to. So massive, big thank you for Andy for sharing a bit about obviously we spoke a lot about his career so uh, hopefully you found that interesting i find I, I find people's career and what they do interesting um and also i hope it leaves you interested in learning more at the very least about angel investing like i said it's a part of the ecosystem that we don't typically hear about but you know there are people investing in startups and when these startups um have some sort of exit become liquid i'm pretty sure that's the terminology that andy used uh you know that's where people benefit greatly it's not without risks so and, and i should just reiterate here that you know this podcast is not providing financial advice it's providing knowledge and knowledge is power and also providing the opportunity that you know may not be there for you so in order to enter the competition all you need to do is make sure you comment on our instagram account so at black girl finance uk comment on the post about this podcast episode every tuesday i do a post about the podcast episode make sure you find that post comment on it say you want to be entered into the competition and yeah i will pull you know names out of a hat to decide who gets to win and andy also has an open day so i will share the link uh, for the open day so you can learn more about the angel investing school if you are interested but yeah follow those instructions and you will be entered in with a chance of winning um, a place on his six-week course so it's just meeting up virtually once every uh, once every week for the next six weeks i believe but andy will obviously tell you more on the open day but yeah i think it's just a great opportunity to learn about a different area of um finance and it's a topic that we're hoping to cover at our black Hole finance fest invest event as well so but anyway i hope you've enjoyed this episode guys have a great day and yeah speak to you next week bye